Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Deep drive to left center and this ball is long gone. Fernando Tatis Jr. driving one into the Padre bullpen to the left of dead center a drive of about 420 feet and the Padres have taken a three nothing lead for Tatis his 10th home run of the year deep drive left center this could be trouble all the way back and a home run three run homer for Fernando Tatis. And the Padres break the game open and lead it now by a score of six to nothing. His second home run of the night. Crowd trying to push him across that first strikeout. 3 2. There it is. Save that baseball. That's what he's saying. Somebody call the authenticator. A call third. And for Liam, a spotless inning. Torkelson well off the line at first and Tim takes the ball away and slightly gets away. Nobody can find it and the mystery ball is a Sox win. Corey Blazer is down because it got him. Well let's see. The Sox win for now. 2-1 the final and that should be that right? Yeah, yeah that's it. That's the end of the ball game. I just didn't see a signal because the umpire was down. The Sox will take it. It's 2-1. Enjoy your weekend. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Good morning, baseball people. How are you? You are? You doing good? Oh, I'm so glad. Beautiful day. Beautiful day out there. It's been incredible weather lately here in Chicago and Chicago land. And that will be the case again today. We are post-Memorial Day. We can take stock in the ball clubs and speak with honesty, as bleak as it may be at times, about where these teams are in terms of comparing them to the very best in baseball. But we can also still speak with honesty, as odd as it may be, about how they are completely and utterly alive in the standings in their division and available to give you potentially games of consequence and drama and intrigue and fun. 
in meaningful months still to come in the baseball season. I know it's crazy, right? Because they don't feel like they're good, but sometimes they do. And this is the beguiling weirdness of a baseball season is that we are two months in and yeah, there's who there's big old issues and got there different ways, a hot start for the Cubs and a roll back to where they are just below mediocrity, a brutal start for the White Sox and a bit of an acceleration to where they are a little lower uh, below mediocrity. And yet, so much time to go. There's still a hundred more games in the White Sox season. Now, I I don't say that as a threat to it you. Sounded like one. I know. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. You're gonna have to live through a hundred more games. I meant you've still got time. You do still have time. The Minnesota Twins are trying to establish themselves as the best team in the division. They do have a plus forty six run differential, which puts them fourth in the American League behind the Texas Rangers, man. What is there to learn from the Texas Rangers? Spend money like crazy a couple of years in a row, have most of those free agents hit, and bing, bang, boom. Well, there's some of their own guys in there as well mixed in. But, yeah, 8-2 and two in their last 10 for the Rangers at a plus 143 on the run differential. And they are uh, – they're in a very, very good spot in the American League as of right now. But we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about the White Sox at 10 games under 500, six and a half back, and the Cubs at now seven games under 500, but five and a half back with a run differential of zero. So Cubs, a replacement level zero as a run differential team. Um, and that is with a, I believe it's a plus 23 from the Oakland series. That happened earlier. Folks, Oakland historically impossibly bad, just remarkably terrible. But lately, well, they're two and eight in their last 10. Yeah, they're a minus 210 in the run differential department, which is kind of insane. A winning percentage of 200, just 12 and 48. At least you're not them. At a 417 winning percentage, the White Sox are, let's see, the third worst team. In the American League, at a 439 winning percentage, the Cubs are the, let's see, fourth worst team in the National League. As of this morning, the worst team in the National League is the St. Louis Cardinals at 25 and 34. So there is that. So you've got that, Cubs fans. And, oh, by the way, you have the overall direction of uh, your franchise. You have... Um, what I believe is a, is a smart organization, and you have a brain trust that you may or may not have some confidence in, an ownership group that will spend, that needs to spend some more next year, and you've got different spots for these teams. So let's discuss it all. 312-644-6767. That's the phone number. While the status uh, in terms of this particular regular season does feel remarkably similar they don't have similar perspectives, right? And we can talk about that with you on the BetQL listener line, as mentioned, at 312-644-6767. And the score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. You can also text in 
The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rose and Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at roseandhyundai.com. You can download the Odyssey app and be listening along as you stream the score on your mobile devices. Interact with the show and the station on Facebook where you can. Uh, and you can like the 670 The Score page right there. And we will have guests on this show. Travis Sawchick is the excellent writer from The Score, and he's written several very good baseball books. And he's going to join us to talk about uh, the television component of the Major League Baseball season and the landscape as a big move has been made over the past week or so um, with MLB and the Padres that we need to discuss and what that actually portends. A little bit later on in the 10 o'clock hour, Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, will join us at 1040. And at 11 o'clock, we are broadcasting live on Marquee for the final hour of the show. We'll be doing that just about every single Sunday from here on out, certainly every Sunday in June and July when I am here. If you are near a TV, feel free to turn us on a marquee. Or if you think you'll be nearer a TV in that hour as opposed to a radio, you can find us there. Tell a friend as well. So um, as part of that, we'll be joined by somebody from Marquee Talent just about every week, and that'll be Cliff Floyd today. Very much looking forward to talking to Cliff Floyd at 11 o'clock here on 670 The Score. Between now and those guests and the end of the show at 12 Your phone calls, your texts, your uh, interaction on Twitter and otherwise not merely welcome, but very elemental to the completion of the broadcast. So hop on in and let's discuss chaotic and crazy White Sox finish. And I laughed and I laughed for a while and I wanted to laugh again later. And then I read that Corey Blazer, the home plate umpire, is still undergoing evaluation And I hope that he does not have lingering effects, concussive effects, possibly, from what was an absolutely absurd finish to a White Sox win. It's funny. um, My guy Chris Tannehill from the Parkinson Spiegel Show had texted in our group thread uh, right when that happened. Let's put that up there with uh, Amir Garrett of the Royals vomiting behind the mound during a White Sox win on the team a highlight reel for the end of the season. And I responded with, these are some of the things that have to happen on a ball field for the White Sox to win baseball games. Pitcher vomiting as he circles. <laughs> Umpire getting hit in the face when Eric Haas was crossed up by Jose Cisneros on a 94-mile-an-hour fastball to the noggin of the home plate umpire. Just absurd and ridiculous. And that entire game, absurd and ridiculous. Three runs scored by a wild pitch or passed ball in a game where there were only three runs. That's never happened in the history of modern baseball. Never. Not once has there been what that was yesterday afternoon. But, God, a beautiful day at the ballpark. Beautiful day in my house as the uh, ball game was on the television with the windows wide, the doors wide. This is supposed to be when it feels good. So, look, if you want to you embrace the part of that that feels good, do it. That is a win. And Liam Hendricks out there getting it done with a spotless inning, as you heard Jason Benetti tell you about there in the, uh, in the open. His second appearance, that's a lot of days off for Liam, and you start to think about, you know, do you want to have that many days off for a roster spot? And you think about that part of it, and Liam himself doesn't want that many days off. He said so, and I don't think it will be in the future. Just kind of getting going and getting himself into the zone of, uh, of being, able to, being able to pitch often. 
and maybe pitch in meaningful innings. That White Sox bullpen has been really, really good. Since it wasn't, it's been really, really good. It stopped being terrible and started being really good, and now Liam, a big part of that, and that was uh, a, a wonderful thing. The key to the White Sox is Tim Anderson, and Tim Anderson, these past 11 games, in 46 at-bats, has 15 hits. So 15 for 46 for a 326 batting average. The OBP not a lot higher than that at 354 because there's only a couple of walks to go in there with it. But T.A. as the Energizer Bunny needs to be a guy who's uh, absolutely the best version of himself offensively for this thing to really have a chance. You know, it's interesting because Juan Moncada was saying uh, yesterday after the game, he said, look, we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, We need everything we can get. So if that's where they're going, everything they want to give us, we have to take it, says Juan Moncada. And that's, that's where you are. Every possible thing you can possibly get. And... You know, you've you've got a you've you've got a you've got a shot if you can take every possible thing that they can get, and teams will play bad. But this is this is where we are. Um, last night in San Diego, you Darvish was dominant. It, just a remarkable pitcher who throws like seven different pitches, and then has the ability to have variety within that, the ability to um, to, to manipulate the baseball on his breaking stuff, the ability to experiment out there and control it. Just one of those guys who's just absolutely remarkable. And what he did last night in completely crossing up the Cubs was change his pitch mix dramatically. So he entered the game yesterday throwing his two-seam fastball, his sinking fastball, at only 10.6% of the time on the season. And then he used it about 35% of the time last night because he can do that. And David Ross, after the game, said, I think that's the most fastballs I've ever seen you Darvish throw. And kudos to him. Threw a lot of two-seamers, locked up the lefties with the front hip. He had that going all day long. Those lefties couldn't even pull the trigger with two strikes. You saw it again and again and again. It's just, it's such a difficult thing to do to time out major league velocity. And when you think you know what a guy's going to do sequentially and he completely crosses you up, man. Now the 3-2 on the way to Barnhart. Right down the middle, fastball, strike three called. <laughs> he has gotten Talkman, Rios, and now Barnhart on that same pitch, throwing a lot of breaking stuff during the at-bat and then surprising him with a fastball at the end. There it is. That's a perfect call to play. Freeze, freeze, freeze. Here comes more of my nasty breaking stuff. Nope, 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 nope. And it's right down the middle. Right down the freaking pipe. Or And there was a while there where he was living comfortably just on the top edge of the zone. A strikeout to Suzuki early, I want to say second inning, and got, um, I know he walked Swanson um as as well early, but still all those pitches were right there. I mean, living on the top edge where you can't really make great contact with it, especially on heat, but you can't take it because it's not eye level and an obvious, obvious uh, ball. Just, just, just beastly for Darvish. 
and cheered massively in San Diego. He said it reminded him of early days in Japan, as sometimes when we get to three balls in Japan, the Japanese crowd would cheer to will him on to get back in the count and get back in control, and that was what was happening in San Diego last night. So Darvish never really gave them a chance, but there's other stuff from the Cubs weekend in San Diego to discuss, like Jamison Tyone and an undeniable step forward after another step forward last weekend. So, look, we'll talk about all of that. Travis Sawchick is going to join us at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. At about 9.40, I've got a, um, a Danny Parkins research project that he gave me. I did the work. I did the research, and I want to share with you people just how futile the White Sox positional group at second base has been, not just this year, but over the last decade. This is a daunting thing that we must discuss at 940. But before then, welcoming your phone calls, welcoming your texts, all hour long, all show long here on 670 The Score. We'll talk Tyone, and we'll talk Hendricks, and we'll talk with you on The Score. It is Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel. Keep it here all morning long. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on The Score. This one's in the air out toward right center field. And Ed is going to go off the wall. On his way to second with his first career five-hit game. Incredible. Welcome back in on Hit and Run and 670 The Score. We'll hop over and take your calls in a moment on the Sox and the Cubs. But that's Luis Arise with a five-hit game. His first career five-hit game, and that's the part that's surprising. Dude is hitting 390. It's June. Hitting 390, that is your batting champ from the American League last year. Traded to the National League for Pablo Lopez, who has been terrific for the Minnesota Twins. And now here's Luis Arise leading all of baseball by more than 50 points in batting average. His on-base percentage is 441. He's almost 20 points ahead of Juan Soto of the San Diego Padres, who has returned 
for the most part, to being Juan Soto. And Luis Ra is just absolutely remarkable. Every Sunday morning here on It and Run, I find myself looking at the leaderboard as a sort of a callback to, uh, for some of us, what was a Sunday morning tradition in our youth when the newspapers would print everybody's stats. There they were. Every single full-time player in baseball had to be a qualifier under the batting average um, at bat totals. But there they were, and here they are on a Sunday morning as well. Oh, there's all the pitchers, too. Really? Yeah. The best ERA in all of baseball? Man, we could do, uh, we could do, we could take 10 calls on this, 50 texts, and nobody would come up with Bryce Elder of the Atlanta Braves as a qualified starting pitcher at 65 innings and change. Bryce Elder is a 1.92. Shane McClanahan of the Rays, who you've seen recently against the Cubs, is next. Eduardo Rodriguez, Sonny Gray, Framber Valdez, Nate Eovaldi, one of the investments in Texas that has worked. John Gray, another one of the investments in Texas that has worked. That's a guy I thought about for the Cubs um, and brought up, but really, I, I did not think he would be this good. No way. Luis Castillo, brilliant for Seattle. Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele round out your top 10 in ERA in all of baseball. Good news on Justin Steele this week for the Cubs. That is a big, big deal. Back to the hitting leaders for a moment. Your home run leader is unsurprisingly Pete Alonzo. Just an absolute killer of a slugger. And in terms of home runs per at-bats since I believe it's 2018, it's Pete Alonzo. I think, oh, is it 20, 2020? Since 2020, Pete Alonzo, Max Muncy, Kyle Schwarber, Patrick Wisdom. Those are your home runs per at bats leaders in all of baseball. Right behind Alonzo and home runs in MLB with 19 is Aaron Judge, who might be having a better year this year than he did last year. He leads the majors in OPS at 1.078. And both, by the way, Sometimes he makes defensive plays like this. Crack down the line. Back to the corner goes Judge. It is caught by Aaron Judge. It is so much more than just the home runs. He is Superman. I think Aaron Boone's going out to check the door. Actually, he's going out to check his right fielder because that was an incredible full speed into the fence. Thankfully, it gave a little bit. This is a big human being catching the ball and just blowing up the bullpen fence. Man, that's that that, that was so much fun to watch. Um, Sean, it, it, while I take these calls, Google it for me. I want to remember the last name. I believe the first name was Rodney of the minor league outfielder who made a catch running into the wall, and the wall just blew up, and he went right through it. Can't remember the last name. Minor league outfielder destroys wall catch. Those are your search terms. But that's the first thing I thought of when I saw the Aaron Judge. And you could have said, hey, Speaks, how about doing your own search, huh? You got a computer. You're a grown man. Was it Rodney McRae? Uh, I think it was. I think I've seen this here. I'll get this audio right? for you. That's Rodney McRae, right? At least I gave you minor league outfielder Rodney with a catch. That I mean, this man is running through a wall. That, so. That's it. That's it. I mean, I was close. It's Rodney McCray crashing through the outfield fence. But anyway, see, you did it. Look at that. Look at look at the modern age. This is the folks. This is why you all need a radio producer. Wherever you are in your life, you just need to have somebody walking around 
who uh, can use a computer for you and open a microphone in your head and, and share stuff. I, I have found it very useful over the last 30 years of my life or so. I th- like to think I'm better, a little bit better than a professional Googler, but it's half the job, <laughs> you know? That is half the job. I got to say, I just dictated those search terms. That would have hit it on the very first one, right? Yeah, and it did. what you said is what I typed. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm telling you. This is, this is one of the skills honed during my years as a radio producer. Absolutely. Wait, so what have you learned as a radio producer? I am the best Googler, and I do it live now on the air. Shane and Danny and Tanny, they love when I do it live. Um, I'm a great live Googler. That's right. Might be all we got. You know, it's interesting. You talk about how you Darvish was so good for the Cubs, uh, against the Cubs, I should say, last night. And it understandably gets a couple of different reactions. One is, the Cubs gave him away for nothing. Not nothing, but it was, it was very little. Um, there's one player from that trade, Owen Casey, who is going to be a big leaguer and I think a very, very good one. Um, and if he is a very good one for six or seven years of cost control as part of you know, a few different contending teams, then that will not be nothing. That will be something. But I know what you mean. I understand the feeling because they cut a lot of payroll off the books at the time. And it was the first harbinger of what was to come. The Darvish trade was first, followed by the Schwarber non-tender, followed by the awkward four months followed by trading Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and some relievers at that deadline. The Darvish trade was the first sign of them admitting that they did not have what they thought was a championship caliber core and needed to downsize and recalibrate. And I think overall that was the right baseball decision based on watching what they had, but you could certainly argue that the Darvish subtraction and the Schwarber subtraction pushed that ball down the road. So I understand that forever visceral reaction to seeing you, Darvish. The other thing we got was, I don't know, four, five, six texts, and I'm told it was very rough on Twitter last night, for the lineup that David Ross threw out there. Miles Mastroboni leading off. I know he's got the profile of a leadoff hitter in terms of scrappy, speed, And lefty, so should be able to make some contact against Darvish. Did have a hit last night. But Mastroboni has an OPS of 467 and a batting average of 157. And has really not done anything to show you he should be anything more than the 26th man on a roster. I'm okay with him as the 26th man on the roster. But I, I, I too, am not a fan of the spot start leadoff opportunity for Miles Mastroboni. We that know. is frustrating. You know it's bad when soccer or Cubs fans are calling for Nick Madrigal to come back up. Oh, boy. Yeah, and the guy hasn't been bad, but it means, like, Not- Master Boney and these two, like, you know, basically lefty bad, righty bad, same thing, right? Uh, well, yeah, but but, but no, because Master Boney can run, and Master Boney yeah. is more trustworthy defensively. I'd rather have his profile as my 26th guy than I would Madrigal's profile, frankly. I know Madrigal's tearing it up in the minors. Did he homer last night? Is that what you said? Madrigal hit a couple outs. It might be my day. Well, the wind shift. 2-1. Madrigal skies one. Deep down the right field line. Gonzalez is back at the wall. It is gone! So, Matt, you know, Madrigal, of the family Madrigal, is, is, not, is not supposed to be hitting power, hitting for power. Dude, 
And, and, and you know what? You talk to people around the ballpark, that was kind of the problem when he was up here. Hey, be slappy. D- do your thing. You know that slap contact thing that you do when somebody throws you an outside fastball? You slap it to right field, period. Don't try to hit it in the air. Don't. That's, that's not what you do, trying to hit it high and in the air. That's a fly out to left field. You don't have the power to do that. You're not going to place it perfectly uh, in the gap for a double or a, or a triple. No. Slap yourself some singles while you're up in the big. So I see extra base production from Nick Madrigal and the minors. I don't necessarily think that's progress. Yeah, I agree with you. So, uh, so, be, so be careful about, about what you're wishing for there. But also on that lineup, you know, down at the bottom, Edwin Rios, 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. Mervis is scuffling, 0 for 3 with a strikeout. Tucker Barnhart, 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. 7, 8, 9, loaded up lefties, nothing. And Mike Talkman, who's been very good, 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. By the way, late add to the show, Mike Talkman's going to join us at 11.45. The Palatine Pounder, as nicknamed by Jim Deshays. We will talk to him. So, look, I understand the frustration um, at seeing some of those lineup uh, situations, especially Mastroboni at the top. Let's go to the phones. Paul is in Valpo on 670 The Score. Good morning, Paul. You're on Hit and Run. How are you? Hey, good morning, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just as frustrated as your texters uh, with that lineup. I mean, I think it goes down to two things. Ross, you know, he's got to – I mean, you're not going to string a bunch of hits against Darvish together, although Darvish also did have a 460 ERA coming in for all the people that think he – you know, that we miss him so much. He just killed us because we had – Six minor leaguers in the lineup. Hey, Paul, but, Paul my, my, I, I, well, but also, but he changed it up dramatically, as I said, with the pitch mix. He's a brilliant pitcher who had been struggling. I dropped him on my fantasy team, and now I'm wishing I had him last night. So, you know, it, Darvish does deserve a big pile of credit, let alone, uh, but, but the lineup stuff is also true. Go ahead. But I, I guess my original point, though, was when you see those guys out there, it really shows how much they miss Bellinger and how quickly they need to do to get him back. But my, my greater point is when you have guys in there like Rehost, again, why they're still bat- playing, I don't know. Mervis has been obviously a big disappointment. But Horner and Hap have to step up. I mean, I know they're signed for really you know cost-effective uh, uh, contracts. They're really good fielders, really good guys. But Horner just doesn't get on base enough, and he doesn't slug enough, and Hap, he's slugging 400. I mean, this, these guys have to step up with Bellinger out of the lineup. And I also think it, you know, I was telling the producer is you got to go after Ohio. If there's, if there's any reason they have to go after Otani, I mean, you got Pete Crow Armstrong guys in the minors. There's not a huge power there with left-handed bats. You got a lot of righties, but not a lot of left-handed power that can lift the ball out of the stadium. So, I mean, they've got to figure something out with this and Hap and Horner just need to be better. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Um, Hap and Horner have been good this year. Um, Nico has come back down to earth a bit in terms of the batting average, and that is going to affect, obviously, the OBP. Ian Happ is 15th in baseball and on base percentage at a a 381. Yes, he's slugging 400, but the 381 OBP is is pretty damn solid. (sighs) They do need Bellinger back. They need more power. They should absolutely make a run at Otani. And when I say that, I mean a run at trading for him. I would certainly consider it because you're trying to sell him on coming here in free agency. But Mervis has to get going from the power perspective and really has to be better than what he is at this point. And I know some of the peripherals have been better in terms of the hard hit 
rate and some of the exit velo when he makes contact, but you desperately need production from him. A texture says Zach McKinstry is better than Miles Mastroboni. Yeah, Zach McKinstry is having an incredible year in Detroit, is Zach McKinstry. He might be having a better season than Javier Baez. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Zach McKinstry, you know, I, I found myself thinking about our conversation with Justin Stone from a few weeks ago. Zach McKinstry was out there saying that the Cubs wanted him to hit it hard and in the air, which is an organizational mandate, and understandably so. But if you're not that guy and that does not uh, portend – you know, success for you, then you don't have to be that guy, which is what McKinstry is. There are more than one way to do it in all of baseball. But, you know, it's interesting because McKinstry, McKinstry was only here for a little while. So grab from the Dodgers for, uh, for Chris Martin in the Chris Martin trade. And somebody that maybe you could have tried to get the most out of in in a different way, but they, they tried to keep kind of developing him in the way that the Dodgers were trying to develop him, and they both kind of gave up on him. So you got multiple organizations giving up on McKinstry and the Tigers letting him drive the bus and getting where he is in a different way. This is Mike on the road on 670 The Score. Mike, good morning. You're on Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel. How are you? Hey, good morning, Matt. Um, pleasure to talk to you, my man. I, I just want to say, Matt, you know, that uh, – with the White Sox. I'm a White Sox fan. I go way back with them. And I just I just don't know if uh, they're ever going to be any good anymore unless they, Jerry sells the team. Because, mark my words, Matt, when Shohei Otani comes on the uh, uh, market, yeah, the White Sox will be in on the deal. Okay? <laughs> we all know they're going to be in on it. Okay? And it's going to be just like Machado and just like Bryce Harper. We'll get Machado, but like eight years from now, okay, to try to sell some jerseys or something. You know, just like we got Ken Griffey Jr. when he was like, you know, on his way out. I mean, this is the way Jerry does things, you know. I mean, he will not sign a great pitcher. To me, I wanted George Springer. You know, I, I really wanted Springer when he came out, you know, when he was Mm-hmm. able to be picked up because yep. he was a proven entity, you know, and that's the one thing the White Sox will not do. They will not spend the real money. I'm not talking about, you know, the payroll, you know, you got a bunch of guys, you, you know what I mean? That are prospects really. Mm. I mean, you know, you, you could sit there and talk about Luis Roberts and Mankata. I'm done with Mankata. Okay. I'm done with that experiment and I'm done with uh, uh, the other guy that always gets out uh, hurt all the time. Eloy. Eli? Uh, oh. oh, God, Eloy, my God. He get, he could get hurt on the way to the grocery store. I mean, like, you know, it's just amazing that they keep keep with the same stuff and they don't sign anybody in the offseason. Oh, I'm sorry, we got Elvis Anderson and uh, Ben Attendi. I mean, that was our big free agent signings. I mean, like, it's laughable. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, thanks for the call, Mike. I know you speak for a large segment of frustrated White Sox fans who have had a very difficult time enjoying this team over the last few years for a variety of reasons. And here you are now with a good vibes, good communicator, manager that felt really good in the offseason, and they have trying to coach these guys up and be better, and it's not really happening with some of those key players. It is happening with Luis Robert, who's been terrific since the benching and the public embarrassment 
after uh, being forced to leave a game and admitting to the communication issues and such. Luis Robert has been great. But overall, the core not stepping up and doing what it is. The problem is when you have spent money as an organization, you've tried to thread the needle with like mid-level free agents in the 75 million, 85 million range, maybe, you know, 50 to 90 million, somewhere in there. And the big expenditures meant to push you over the top in that range over the last four years, five years or so have been Dallas Keuchel, who you ended up designating for assignment and eating a big pile of money, and Yasmani Grandal, who's proven to be a massive defensive liability at catcher to the point that Sebi Zavala is playing every day, and Grandal just a brutal offensive year last year that, that was massively damaging. And some of the other money in that range, Andrew Benintendi is having a nice year. There is no power there. Like, whatsoever. And that is uh, a bummer. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, Benintendi is, is, is a, fine, a fine hitter and a fine gold glove caliber left fielder. But that is your, your big money indeed. You set me up for White Sox second base talk with the Elvis Andrus comment. And I was excited about the return of Elvis Andrus because I, like, uh, I like good people. And I like team chemistry. And I like professionalism. But he has not hit the ball well, then was hurt. And now that he's back, he'll have to fight Romy Gonzalez for time. Because the White Sox second base situation has been a black hole. We will discuss that. And continue to take your phone calls up towards the top of the hour. Travis Sawchuk from The Score on a really interesting broadcast thing that I want you guys to hear about. So we'll do that at the top of the hour. Mike Talkman from the Cubs in the 11 o'clock. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Our Cliff Floyd from Marquee in the 11 o'clock hour. And all the way, your phone calls and texts with me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run on the Score. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on the Score. Driven long and hard to left field. Team, certainly a good team like the White Sox. Extra outs, it's going to kill you. Oguchi goes yard. And what a fifth for the White Sox. They've grabbed the lead all at once. Another three-run homer. Man, Tadahito Oguchi? How is that possible? That we're hearing that highlight in 2023. That's because we need to talk about the White Sox second baseman. Tadahito Aguchi. And by the way, this is Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Callers will get you in a matter of moments. But Tadahito Aguchi, is that the last really good White Sox second baseman? The last successful one overall? It's been a long time, people. It's really Ray Durham is the answer with consistency. The curse of Ray Durham as it relates to the White Sox lack of stability uh, is is has left a mark because it's been 
many, many times that White Sox fans have been teased with a possible legit player there. Gordon Beckham, remember him? Nick Madrigal, obviously. But most of the time, it's been Brett's. Guys named Brett, like Lillibridge and Lowry. Too many Bretts for my Too life. Too many Bretts. Micah Johnson, not a Brett, but an honorary Brett, if you will, and more. Along the way, they traded away the likes of Marcus Simeon and Eduardo Escobar. So it's been a tough go at second base. And I'm pretty sure that Fernando Tatis Jr. could have played there. Or anywhere. Could have made it work. That's okay. It's all right. James Shields was necessary for that stretch run in the next season. Um, So, look, the other day, as people were talking about it, James Fegan wrote a big piece on White Sox second baseman for this year in The Athletic. And I looked. Their OPS for this season is 488, as of my research the other day. 488. And the White Sox, I looked at every position group for every team in baseball. The White Sox second basemen were one of just four position groups for any team in baseball with an OPS below 500. The Kansas City Royals center field group is the worst position group. The Oakland A's second base group is worse than the White Sox. And I believe it was the Padres catchers who you're getting a look at right now. That's it. Four position groups with an OPS below 500. So I brought that up and noted baseball historian and researcher Danny Parkins said to me, what about the last decade? Oh, what about the last decade? Maybe that should be your next research project. I said, Danny, you know what? I'll see you on hit and run at 940. So I know he's listening. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, everybody. It is me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on Hit and Run. So I looked up 2013 to 2022, okay? Over the last decade before, not including this season, position groups. Let's go around the diamond, shall we? Uh, Catchers, the New York Mets have the worst catching group over the last decade, 649 collective OPS. In the outfield, you know those guys, I mean, that should be pretty good in the outfield. Yeah. I mean, the best, I mean, the worst left field, the Angels at 690, okay? 690 OPS for every left fielder for the Angels. Center field, Seattle at 663, which is interesting because you think about Jose Rodriguez and you think about Ken Griffey Jr. decades before, but center field's been a dearth for Seattle. Right field, Pirates at 702 in terms of the worst OPS for an entire position group for a team over the last 10 years. On the infield, third base, the Angels again at 671. Folks, combine the bad pitching that the Angels have had with the fact that two of their position groups are dead last over the last decade, and you get a window on how a team with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani has not made the playoffs. Get a little bit of a window. Haven't figured it out. At a couple of prominent offensive positions in left field and third base. Shortstop, Kansas City Royals, 646. Now they have Bobby Witt, so that should be better in the future, right? Bobby Witt Jr. But 646 collective OPS for the Royals. We'll skip second base for a moment. First base, Miami Marlins at 713. That's the uh, OPS for that entire position group. 
So I think I've given you all of them. Yeah, because catcher at 649. Then we get to second base. Best second base group over the last decade, Houston Astros with Jose Altuve. 836 OPS for everybody who's played second base, mostly Altuve. And dead last at second base over the last decade, the White Sox, 645 OPS. So by one point over the last 10 seasons, the worst position group offensively in all of baseball is indeed the Chicago White Sox second base group. That's it. That's how bad it's been over the last 10 years. And everybody knew it was an issue in the offseason. And he, Rick Hahn, talked to us about Romy Gonzalez, who's been good and is the guy who should play the most. And he talked to us about, he said, Leori Garcia is around and he talked to us about guys like Zach Remillard. He threw Zach Remillard out there. And then they brought back Elvis Andrus for $3 million. Obviously, Larry's around. Around. Not anymore. Not anymore. But, yeah, that, that's, that's historic, unprecedented failure at uh, second base. Let's go to Ron on the south side on 670 The Score. Hello, Ron. How are you? Hey, Steve. And, you know, you can almost make an argument about Ray Durham being one of the better all-around uh, players because he was pretty good defensively, and we and he was a good offense. I, I, lo- I loved Ray Durham. Ray Durham was number 29 on my list of the top 30 ball players of my 30 seasons in Chicago. Ray Durham right there at 29, a hell of a player. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, Steve? Yesterday I was listening to – and Bruce said that uh, Kenny Williams – Stated to him that the Sox were going to win the division. Now, Rick Hahn has said, well, we need to wait and see where this team is in July. See, I interpret what Kenny is saying, well, maybe they're not going to move anybody. And if it's necessary, maybe you are uh, a buyer. So I, 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 but I kind of more agree with uh, Rick. That when when July comes, as we know, starting tomorrow, the White Sox is going to be playing some tough teams. But I, I, it's just very con- confusing. Is Kenny suggesting that look, maybe they're not going to move Lucas Giolito? Maybe they're going to hold on to these players and they're going for it. But then Rick is saying, suggesting that it could go the other way. So I I, I don't know. Maybe you can kind of sort through some of that. You know, you know how white stuff. Ron, I can't sort it out. There's no way in hell I can sort that your out. Boss is saying, your boss is saying one thing, <laughs> if you're going to win, and you and Rick is saying, well, no, we need to wait until July. Ron, look. Look at this thing. For decades, no, I can't sort it out. Absolutely not. Thanks for asking. Thanks for the faith. Here's the, I mean, Kenny Williams, when when he talks, he awkwardly muscles up and makes things muddier and more confusing. It is so reliable over the last six years. It's un, it's incredible every single time. So I had missed that on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine, extremely well-sourced. So, Sean, you were here. Is that true that, that Rick said that Kenny, or uh, uh, that yesterday Bruce said that Kenny said that they might stick with their guys and try to win this division? Yeah, I've got the clip for you right here. Please. Huge. Kenny Williams doesn't pull any punches. It's on his face. It's in his conversation. You know, he said, yeah, of course we're better. That's that's still not good enough. 
we built this team to win. We expect to win, okay? And that's it. And I, I applaud him and Rick Hahn for their thoughts on that. The, you know, Pedro Grafal talked yesterday again about, hey, you know, we have to play better baseball. You know, we have played better in May. That's still not where we want to be. We want to be a consistent team. And, uh, you know, again, uh, the White Sox have not been that, but they have been better. And, again, in a bad division, uh, they will win the division. Kenny said flat out to me yesterday, look, uh, we're going to win this division, okay? That's how we look at it here. Well, so they're going to win the division. I, I, I get the confidence. And as I said at the top of the show, as I said at the top of the show, the standings mean that you can. They absolutely still mean that you can. The Twins are the best team in the division. But could you track them down? Sure. Sure, you could. And it, it, if Rick is thinking it's too early to sell when he talks about it publicly, that's because it also is. So actually, you know what, Ron? I did sort it out for you. That's one guy being confident and the other guy trying to speak because he speaks more often to the realities of the situation and acknowledge that maybe that's a move they'll have to make, but not yet. So right now, play well for six weeks. Do it right the hell now for both of these teams. In, in, in a way, I know that it's been dispiriting, but the action is ramped up. The importance is ramped up of these games. You have to figure out who you are by the All-Star break, man. All-Star break in the middle of July, you got to know who you are. So game the hell on. Let's talk to Travis Sawchick from thescore.com. Um, a great baseball writer, and he's got a really good perspective on something that's going on with television deals all over the country. We'll do that next on Hit and Run here on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.